This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Schwartz. And today is Thursday, December 17th, 2020. And my guest is the awesome Michael Josh of Gadget Match. Hi, MJ. How are you? Hi, Miriam. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a long time. Yes, I'm really glad you're on because I know you have one of the things you want to talk about today, which is <laughs> the yes. AirPods Max. Mm-hmm. So just to prime you a little bit, last week we talked about the actual kind of like announcement, right? Nobody had devices yet. I had John Rediger on the show and we were making all kinds of speculations about all kinds of things. So I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. What is the deal with those? As you know, everybody's kind of like wondering about the pricing. So what, what's your take that now that you've used them for a bit? It's very interesting because um, everybody, well, a lot of people love, will immediately react at Apple's pricing. but let's be honest, there's nothing really new. Apple has always been in the game of premium pricing. And they also like to, instead of just coming out with another, uh, with a pair of over-ear headphones that compete with what's already in the market, uh, Bose NC700s and Sony XM4s, to name a few, I think they purposely have created a product that doesn't necessarily uh, go toe to toe. It's not an apples to oranges comparison. It's 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 quite difficult to compare. And so, in a way, by doing that, they've allowed themselves to also price differently. Uh, whether or not it is justified is is up to uh, you know. Pe- different people have different opinions, but they're pretty good over-ear headphones, I've got to say. I, I think they're more of a luxury product uh, for those who are looking either to be seen, um, who want something different, who who want something Apple-branded, um, but at the same time, it doesn't have an Apple logo on it whatsoever. Um, and and for those who just want a little bit better sounding, uh, better sound, yeah, that's the feeling I get from a lot of the discussions and conversations I've read. And I feel like, you know, I went into it going, I also balked at the price a little bit. I was just like, okay, the Sony's M4s, which are my go-to, I'm not wearing them right now because I want something that doesn't isolate me too much. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I end up yelling a lot in the microphone. But um, they are, you know, my reference in terms of everything, like battery life, sound quality, noise reduction, noise canceling. Um, until now, until the, M- the M4s, they, they weren't very good for calls. That's improved a little bit, but basically they're like the universal best possible combination of things, right? And now they're very, I think they're very specific use. In pre-pandemic times, I think they were their darling of us travelers. I mean, I think mm-hmm. all of us have a pair because of it. We had the Mark Threes back then, but whatever. And then now I think we're using them around the house to you know, to like isolate ourselves so we can focus and whatever it might be. Exactly. And so I kind of think if you look at it that perspective, of course, 550 seems high when 350 is the list price for the Sonys. And And you can get them for 278 now, I believe. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say 250 or so is the sales price. And Sony always somehow seems to have these on sale, right? Mm -hmm. So And the XM4s are are 
better than the XM3s. They are. They're an improvement. Uh, one of my favorite things about them, I haven't really mentioned on the show, and I, you know, as a quick tangent, is that you can finally have EQ settings active um, when you're on lossless, which in the past you had to choose. You had to either add the EQ settings you liked. For me, I tweaked them a little bit because they're by default a lot too bass heavy for me. So I, I like to tweak them, but I couldn't have that and have lossless uh, Bluetooth audio before. And now I can. So I'm super excited with what um, what Sony's done. But so I look at that and I look at this the Apple AirPods Max and I'm like, ooh. Um, that's a lot of money. But then at the same time, I got to remember this is Apple and the design is obviously going to be premium and it is, I mean, materials, it's hard to do metal headphones. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I look at the feature set and there's something that Sony still, nobody really does right, which is the, you know, connect to multiple devices, automatically switch between devices. I'm seeing it with, you know, Theo right now with the, they have the M3s and they're using them on their iPhone and their new, brand new MacBook Air. And they're like, it's a hassle because they have to pretty much turn off Bluetooth on one device for it to connect to the other. Right. On the XM4s, at least they have the multi-device pairing. I believe two devices can be paired at the same time. Um, but even then, it's not that seamless of a transition. And of course, the benefit here is if you're an Apple user. Right. Because with these, you pair with one device. It's like any other Apple pairing. You bring them to two devices together. They will pair. Once you make a once you pair, and I have like tons of iPhones, several Macs, and an I and several iPads, and everybody is just already immediately paired, right? And and Apple in such a way is, I I I'm on my computer and I bring it close, and then all of a sudden I get this pop up on my computer, and, and they're like, oh, the AirPods Macs are nearby. Do you want to connect to them? And I can just connect to them, and then I lift up my iPhone, um, I have them on, and then maybe I play an Instagram video or a YouTube video, and the audio automatically transfers. Like, you don't have to think about these kind of things. And this is, especially if you've already bought into the Apple ecosystem, this is definitely a pro of of these devices, of, of the AirPods Max. Yeah, that's the feeling I get from talking to everybody. And I think that that's something you can't underestimate like there's nothing out there that will do the same thing right now in this form factor so if you are heavily in the apple ecosystem it might just make sense for you to get these simply on that ease of use alone but i don't really think of them as a different category of product than a very high-end version of this wireless anc you know, high quality product. And I think that if you're looking at it, like maybe this could replace studio headphones or something, that's not where you're going. Like when I'm doing right. a podcast, when I'm not traveling, I'm, I'm in Portland right now to take care of some things and I'm not wearing my normal headphones. But if I wear my Bayer Dynamics normally, they're studio phones. They're, they're wired, no ANC, open back. Like they right. sound fantastic, but I don't think the AirPods Max are in that league. However, you get ANC, you get wireless, you get seamless integration with the ecosystem. And I think that's kind of what you're paying extra for. And you always pay extra for Apple, one. And two, you're paying, I think it's personally, I feel like even though I'm not in the Apple ecosystem 100%, for those who are, I think this is a this is a game changer. This kind of feature set of auto switching and all that just makes a huge difference. Like I see how the average user like Theo struggles with the M3s switching between devices. And of course you want that, right? So Yes, and one feature that a lot of people um, don't talk about is spatial audio. Right. And 
it's supposed to be. So these are not just um, for listening to music or for blocking out sound. It's also Apple has also thought about them as um, for watching movies on your iPad or your iPhone. Uh, I wish that it worked with the Apple TV. I was just going to say, you know, because I can watch my big screen, but um, it's and it supports, I think, Disney Plus, Netflix. I think some it, you, the service has to support it. But um, when you're watching a movie, and I, I've tried, I've tried this, and even with the Sony's, the XM4s, it number one, it kind of mimics the whole surround sound experience. The first time I put them on. I had to double take and I was like, I asked Chai, my producer, um, is anything playing through my stereo speaker right. system, <laughs> sound system? Because it sounds so good and it, it's, and for me, I'm not an audiophile, but regardless of what kind of content I'm consuming, I want to be enveloped and enveloped <laughs> by the, um, you know, I want the sound to wrap around me like yeah, a blanket. Yeah, for sure. And, and and with the movies, I was like, wow. And then with spatial audio, I'm using the gyroscopes and other sensors on the iPad and the iPhone. When you move your head, it, it remembers where the audio, the audio source is coming from, which is the direction where your iPad is, for example. And so if you move your head, you can feel the sound move to the left side uh, or to the right side, depending on where you're facing um, and where the, the iPad is. And that that's pretty cool. Um, when I put on the XM4s, I don't get, I feel like the audio is just going into my ear, being pumped into my ear. Yeah, but I don't yeah. get that same surround sound-ish kind of experience. So um, that is another pro for for these device for for this device, and I just wish it was available on the Apple TV. Yeah, maybe I think, a new version. I think the support for Apple TV is a big miss. Uh, I really feel that you know, having experienced this kind of technology when I worked at Dolby Labs. Uh, before it was a kind of a, you know, before it was a, something that you'd see in a consumer product, I know what it can do. And, and the idea is that you're wearing headphones and it feels like you're in the theater. And when you move your head in the theater, you know, the voice, if it's in the middle of the screen, stays kind of where the screen is. So this is what it replicates. And I think it's very immersive. It's done right. And, you know, of course, I mean, Dolby would do that well, and they have Atmos to do that for speakers and now Atmos on headphones, which, by the way, the AirPods Max support for the content that supports it on iPhones mm -hmm. and iPad. But to me, it makes way more sense to have this when you have a big screen in front of you. And so yes. that's why Apple TV support would make sense. I mean, on an airplane, you may be on a big 12-inch iPad Pro, and that's about as big as it's going to get. And it's kind of weird to me that here we have these brand new Macs. Like I'm actually recording with my MacBook Air M1 right now, my brand new one. And I'm like, you know, it's such a great computer that I'm surprised they didn't include, you know, the uh, support for that in there. Like it's, uh, it's kind of amazing to me. I have me. a tech question for you. Yeah. Is this, would it be possible um, with skipping any, uh, in lieu of any of the sensors to just use a U1 chip? I mean, it doesn't have the U1 chip, neither does the Apple TV, but could you use the same U1 chip for spatial awareness? I think you, you can use, uh, there's all kinds of solutions here. Basically, as long as you can locate the two devices b b from one to the other, both yeah. in distance and in orientation. So you could do it with uh, a, a combination of things, including radio, like the, the U1, uh, the, the, you know, that chip. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very possible. Like Sony supports 
spatial audio on the M3s and M4s, but they're not focused on video as much. They're focused no. on like high quality audio, spatial audio. And to me, I think that's a miss for Sony because Sony is a huge player in the movie field. They should have totally done this. Like Apple seems to have beat them to the most compelling use of spatial audio, which is in movies and video yes. and film, right? Right. So I think that's another thing that's really that's really unique here. So I think you're paying for all those things. Although I think spatial audio in five years from now will be pretty commonplace for most people. And I think maybe maybe this is you know, I, I wanna say that like easy pairing between multiple devices will be commonplace for most people in five years, but the AirPods original are now almost five years old and they've initiated this idea of easy pairing. And I think we've seen Similar things in, in other ecosystems, like if you're in the Samsung ecosystem or the Huawei ecosystem, but we haven't seen like a Bluetooth universal solution adopted as part of the Bluetooth standard yet. And I think that's right. what's missing because, you know, I hate to say this, I use my M4 with all kinds of devices and I need, I don't need, I can't stay in the Sony ecosystem for this. And that's the one thing that for me is a challenge with these AirPods Max. Uh, by the way, I've ordered a pair. I'm lucky that I ordered early enough that I'm getting it early January. I'm not sure I'm going to keep them, but this is more for me to test as an audio, uh, you know, lover. I want to check it out. So I, I'm going to let folks know. And of course, I have an iPhone. That's the only thing I can use with spatial audio. I don't have an iPad and I have a MacBook. And that's why I'm bummed they didn't do the MacBook. Which which color did you order? I'm boring. I ordered space gray because I feel space like... Space gray well, looks really good, yeah. though. It's really, I mean, I don't like reviewing black devices um, because they're not as sexy on TV, but they, sure. they, these space gray um, ones look really, really nice. And you can kind of customize the cups as well, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think for me, what it was, it was like the other colors were not available. Like I would have had to wait till March, right, already. But like, I think I ordered the day after it was announced. So if I had ordered right away, I might have gotten them, but. I'm a little bit pissed because um, this is my review device, the personal one that I ordered. I ordered five minutes after the announcement. And wow. it was slated for um, the delivery on day one. Um, but uh, <laughs> FedEx... What is day one, by the so, way? Which this. was the 15th. The 15th of December. Oh, wow. Um, and the window was December 15 to 17. And all my friends who ordered like an hour later got theirs on the 15th. And mine is showing... Um, on the 14th, the, the label was created, but FedEx has never picked it up. And and so it's kind of, um, Apple says to contact FedEx, FedEx says to contact Apple, oh, I God. don't know where it is. And it's, <laughs> um, so that's where I am. But um, it, it they're pricey, and if you buy those cups as well, um, pricier. But oh, yeah. I, it's 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 interest. It's not something that that Apple officially talks about. But you can actually order the the ear cushions separately in different colors. Yeah, that's and cool. then for like sixty nine dollars, I believe, which is cool because um the faux leather ear cups on the Sony's will also over time kind of start to peel. Exactly. I don't know if you can replace them on the Sony's, but I'm used to studio. Not phones. on the Sony's. Oh, okay. On Bo on the Bose ones, Bose sells replacements for the NC seven hundred. Interesting. Sony doesn't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever used the Sony's long enough. Like I get kept keep getting review units for all the updates. So um we'll see how the M3s that Theo's using that I've used so heavily already. And they're in mint condition right now. Let's see how long they last, especially with the cushions. For cushions in studio phones, which is my experience so far, they always are interchangeable. And frankly, for people balking at $69, even like a 
relatively reasonable pair of like AKGs or or Beer Dynamic or Sennheisers, you're gonna spend thirty to forty dollars for the ear cup replacements normally. I mean, right? Apple sells cases, for, uh, leather cases for fifty, sixty dollars as well. It's not no, nothing. it's not bad. That said, I don't want to sound like an Apple apologist here. I would have loved if they included. Uh, uh, I wish it was USB C. I wish that oh they would God, have included yeah. a, um, you know, the cable, uh, 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 a three point five millimeter cable. For I agree. I mean, I know iPhones don't have a headphone jack, so maybe it doesn't make sense in the Apple world. But maybe if you were on a plane, um, you you can buy that for I think less than forty bucks for I think thirty five bucks for that cable because they sell that cable. I wish that was included in the box. I think Belkin has one as well that's cheaper, by the way. So you know there are ways around this, but you know, little little things like that would have been nice to to have. Um but it's 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 really beautiful. It's it's really beautiful. It's really well made, very comfortable. Um I think yeah. one of the things we should talk about is that they are I mean I don't have mine to judge yet but they are heavier right and so these are not like these are really around the house or when you're traveling don't expect to go jogging or working out with these I think you might mm-hmm. be able to but I don't think that's what they're designed for I don't think that's what they're designed for uh let me just start by saying when I look at my the Bose and the um the Sony's I've never really complained about them um, and you know, I've never said, "Oh, they look cheap. They look plasticky." Even if like the Sony's are all plastic, yeah, um, they're high quality plastic. They're, that's never been a complaint. But when you kind of when you have to compare as a reviewer putting together your video, and you are made to compare, <laughs> and then it, they do kind of look uh, cheap because compared to the, the you know the aluminum finish and the stainless steel band and and you know this nice mesh canopy. Um, I've been thinking about it, and in a way, it's almost like a fashion accessory, too. Yeah. And I can see, like, the Kardashians, you know, for, yeah, yeah. for lack of a better comparison. But, like, you know, the influencer types and the, the fashionistas really wanting to rock these because they're that kind of device. Yeah. Um, and they yeah. exude that kind of, you know, emotion. And they have no uh, Apple logo, which is kind of amazing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you just, when you know, you know. It's yeah, that kind of exactly. thing. It's look, and Apple didn't really feel the need to plaster. I I, I looked again, and uh, the Shures, the Bose, the Sonys all have logos on them, and it you know it would make the perfect sense uh, uh, if Apple actually put a logo like because this finish is just like a MacBook Pro, MacBook yeah, yeah, Air, yeah. iPad Air finish. It's exactly the same mm-hmm. finish. So to have that little logo there, but um, it's nice and discreet, um, and that's what I like about them too is that uh, there's no seams. It's just all one like clean surface. Yeah, they look uh, really great. I think for me, design-wise, the only thing I really wish is, you know, I know they can't make them too much lighter. I've had some heavy headphones. It's not a big deal for me. I think it's just more people have to understand these are not active headphones. These are yeah. travel and at-home headphones, and that's what they're mm-hmm. designed for. And I think for that, the weight's not an issue. I think their design is really iconic. I feel like they've taken a lot of the cues from old headphones and mm-hmm. modernized it and appleized it in a very, very clever way. But my, you know, my only big beefs on design is you no know, USB-C. The well, oh, the weight yes. is not a huge deal. No USB-C, I think, is a big problem because if you look at the rest of the industry, really, like. That's where we're going. Even Beats are now US, using USB-C, right? So it's like, like, come on, right? Like, get That's get definitely real. one of my biggest complaints. But at the same time, I was thinking about it. If you own, you're most likely, you most likely own an iPhone. 
and those come with lightning cables. So if you were traveling, then I guess it makes sense. But the iPad doesn't, and the the Macs don't. So I'm thinking like that's true. So you have those cables as well. If you're that yeah. heavily in the app and the Apple ecosystem, you probably have a USB C device from Apple already. Right. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And then the other thing you're it's it's just weird because we know lightning is on its way out. We are pretty sure that next year's iPhone will have ports have a port. will mm-hmm. have the MagSafe wireless clip-on charger or probably a faster wireless charging version mm-hmm. of that. And honestly, I'm perfectly okay with that. I Me don't too. I think that's the future. I absolutely feel that like in the past, if if Apple had switched to USB-C on the iPhone 10, Great, but they didn't. And at this point, Lightning needs to freaking die. <laughs> and that's why I'm annoyed that they launched a brand new product that's going to be in, you know, in the Apple history for five years. Yes, and not going to be replaced by users for like three to five years. Agreed. And has this stupid, pointless, old and bad connector. So I'm annoyed with that. And I'm also annoyed with the lack of Apple TV support, as we discussed I'm less annoyed with the pricing because I look at it as you're paying the Apple tax in a way. You're paying the premium luxury goods because it's so well-designed tax. And you're paying for those software features in a way right now. So it's interesting. You speak about software. And earlier you were talking about Sony's, um, the equalizer options in the app. Um, You don't have the, there's no separate app for you to be able to dive into all the settings of the AirPods Max. I mean, Um, it's Apple. What do you expect, right? Exactly. (laughs) Um, So Apple uses computational audio is what they call it. And basically there are microphones in the headphones listening how many thousand times per second and basically tweaking the sound uh, based on what Apple feels is the be- are the best equalizer settings for the content that you're consuming. Right. And I guess for the average again th- these are not these are not for audiophiles. Um as much as neither are the Sony's, but I mean uh, you know a Sony user and Android user would love to go in and tweak settings, but I think for the average user having someone else do the thinking for you is is, is probably a good thing just like for taking photos, you know how yeah. how all the algorithms decide what's how the photo should actually look like at the end. Yeah, I'm not too worried. I think the way I'm looking at it is I'm either going to like them out of the box or I'm not, sound-wise. So I, I was pretty confident I would like the sound before they arrived because the HomePods sound really good. Even the HomePods Mini yeah. sound really good. So Apple has a history. And remember, what was the, what was the name of that device? The, was it called the Apple Hi-Fi? Yeah, the iPod Hi-Fi, I think it was. That that that's no, yeah. that's that speaker where the yeah, yeah the speaker where, where the, you docked your iPod into it yeah yeah with the thirty pin the, yeah and Apple has always had a good history of great sound so yeah. I knew these would sound great and they don't disappoint. I mean honestly for me right now like of all the audio devices Apple makes currently not talking about Beats I'm taking that apart mm-hmm. because I don't like the Agreed. Beats sound me too although I hear good things about the latest uh, products I haven't tested them so I don't know but I know that the AirPods sound like crap the original I mean they're the thing is that the sound they don't sound like crap i'm exaggerating they sound okay they are acceptable they get Mm -hmm. the job done but they're not spectacular in any way they just they just kind of cruise by on being mediocre at best the Mm -hmm. airpods pro i think step things up a notch significantly but still don't meet my standards i'm hoping the airpod max meet my standards but my standards are really high so that's why i'm probably going to return them plus i don't have enough investment in the apple ecosystem fully like completely integrated to really justify it but i want to try it because i want to see what this 
machine learning audio like this AI computation yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because I think that there's so much that I worked on at Dolby back in the days that was kind of a preamble to what we're going to see in audio in the next decade that is you know basically all about that measuring the inside of your ear with microphones mm -hmm. to figure out what's the best sound for you at the same time taking your ambient noise levels into consideration, into consideration and adjusting mm -hmm. the audio you can do all, all all of that sounds gimmicky folks but there is real science behind it and if we can do it right and that's why i'm super curious to see how right apple gets it which is why i put 600 dollars of my own money down with taxes in california for something that normally i would just hysterically point and laugh at and go there's right. no way i'm buying this but i feel like you know it's it's a milestone in a way technologically mm -hmm. speaking and i think that we can't dismiss that like a lot of people gloss over that because a lot of people use their smartphone every day not realizing how much freaking engineering went into them you right know? right and as as techies it's our you know we, we 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 enjoy being able to dig deeper into all the magic that goes behind the scene that goes on behind the scenes but i think <laughs> being able to just create that experience for users and having not them not that's what technology is supposed to be right it's a, it's not supposed to be complicated and when um when all of this can you know happen behind the scenes and you don't really care because you're just listening to great audio and if you want to listen to watch a movie it's it's surround sound in your ears as well it that's that for me is and then when you want to transfer between devices it just works you know that's that's what you're paying for i think um my my one last complaint about them <laughs> are the case and i know a lot of people have you know there are a lot of memes going around saying that they look like bras or um or all sorts of different um you know comparisons um, it's funny you bring that up because that's exactly the last thing i was going to talk about i was like oh, really? i mean the bra or the whatever handbag like i just my beef with it like is a not, designer handbag i know what my beef with that is not so much that they made a case because they included it so you're not paying for that which i thought it was an accessory originally i thought i didn't realize it was included yeah, yeah. Uh, just in case you guys since you this is an audio podcast michael josh mj is teasing me right now by <laughs> showing me his blue airpods max within the case and the case mm -hmm. looks super nice but i don't think that case is going to age very well no and i think that it doesn't I, really cover it in an, entirely that's my biggest problem there needs to and, be an off button like i hate to say this okay i don't think people are gonna like if you leave your desk and you know you're going grocery shopping for like you know whatever you're walking you're running some errands you're gonna come back in three hours you want to be able to put them down on your desk without putting them in the case and maybe hold two but like if you can hold the crown button and the extra button together and it turns off like that's all we need like we don't need anything super fancy that's how sony's work like you hold a button so what miriam is saying is that um there's no off button and when you so when you take them off they'll pause the content that you're consuming and it goes into low power mode but when you put them into the case they call it the smart case then it goes into ultra uh, power yeah, like basically mode. almost no power use. Yeah. Almost no power. Um, I haven't done enough testing because in the test that I've done, uh, an hour it drains like uh, 1% with or without the case. Uh, without it being in the case right maybe over a longer period I believe it has it waits for like a two hour three hour period then it really goes into that power mode. See all they really need to do there's two things right? You know what I, so I was thinking about this though Miriam yeah. and you know um Apple fanboy or not, I, um, I was like, when was the last time I, I actually 
took off, uh, I actually powered off any of my other noise canceling <laughs> okay, headphones. I yeah. never do. And then I usually just end up, <laughs> I was like, oh, they switched off by themselves. Um, so I don't know really how big of a deal it is, but. I think I think it's not a huge deal. If maybe in the Apple settings there was a timer you could set, say turn off after yeah. five minutes, turn off after a half an yes. hour, an hour. I give yes. us three choices: an hour, yes. half like an hour, iPhone. two hours. Because mm-hmm. I think the default's two right now. Because look, on the Sony's they give you that option, and I have to set to five minutes because I I it's literally I walk away from my computer so much, and you know when you're flying like as much as you and I used to, like you know firing up your headphones just as you're getting on a 10-hour flight and realizing oh crap i forgot to charge it is really something you don't want and you're going to say well you should have the discipline of checking all your devices when you travel as much as we do trust me you don't charge everything before you get on the plane you charge stuff on the plane like you know but so so you know in in the whole spirit of like someone else making the decisions for you this is one of those things right because yeah. it's like just turn it off when i don't need it because i don't have the bandwidth to deal with figuring out have i powered it off or should i power it off or um so yes <laughs> um that said uh you, you know going on a going on a trip if the fast charging is pretty decent um for a five minute charge you can get about 1.5 hours so it's not that bad. No, it's as well. not a big deal. But it's just, yeah. yeah. I just wish lightning, and I wish that you you could just yeah. turn them off somehow, or at least it doesn't even have to be a switch. Like I think, like a combination of, you know how like there's hidden features yeah. in the iPhone. You yep. can like hold two buttons and it resets. Like right. all these cool little things. Like so, that. there are two buttons on 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 them. Yeah. Well, one is an actual button, which is basically toggling the noise cancellation on yeah. the transparency mode on. Uh, and the other one is also pretty cool. And maybe it's something that you'd like to talk about, too. Instead of having touch gestures, so there are no touch gestures, right. you have, they, they've created a larger version of the digital crown that's on the Apple Watch. I think Watch. that's really cool, actually, because honestly, I like a good knob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, the problem with um, touch gestures are that sometimes they're finicky. And because you don't Often. get enough haptic they're finicky. feedback, <laughs> yes. they're finicky. And I'm just being nice. Um, you don't have haptic feedback. I was like, have I have I done it yet, or have I yeah, have, have yeah. I done something? And so I like the feel that ha- that haptic feedback of twisting the ro- di- the rotating the the yeah, crown, the ticking sound. Um, of feel, I'm curious yeah. what you think because I don't mind, but some of my friends are complaining about the fact that the controls are on the, on the top of the. Of the cans, personally, I feel like this doesn't doesn't I matter. I can just do this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it's gonna matter to me. I'm not struggling to reach the up, and I feel like the reason why they're on top is that when you place them on a table this way, there's nothing sticking out because the digital crown is 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 rather large. It sticks out, which is good too because you want buttons that stick out yeah. because you want to be able to feel for them blindly. I think the other reason with their design, their buttons and the crown specifically having a rotating dial, like a volume button, basically, you if you lean your shoulder, like your head to the shoulder, you're going to probably trigger the buttons. Ah, uh, yes. And I think that's why it makes a lot of sense. And personally, I don't really see a problem with having it I on don't top. See a problem as well. But I can yeah. understand how some people are used to the controls on the bottom, like on the, on the Sonys. Like for yes. me, it's on the left, right? So I'm, I'm going to have to adjust to that as well. But the other thing that I'm surprised that Apple didn't do is a automatic detect left and right thing. That would be such uh-huh. an Apple thing to do that, you know, yeah. us audio people, like I... I do it without even noticing that I check the left and right on my headphones. On the Sony, it's easy because the right is always red. On all yes. Sony products, anything they've ever done has a little red thing 
yeah. that says R for the right. And so uh-huh. it's really color coded and nice. But I feel like Apple would have done magic, like somehow with some gyroscopes or something to detect the front of your face to the back of your face and automatically switch the left and right, you know? In yeah. the same way as you can select which arm you want to wear the Apple Watch on, you could, yes. you know, you could have the decide where you want the controls. I think that would be really, really cool. And right. I don't know so why they you, do So that. you don't even have to flip them around, yeah. basically. Yeah. They'd, do, they'd flip it around for you. That's what needs to happen next, Apple. Because that's very Apple, right? That would be very Apple, yeah. Uh, yeah, AI should be able to figure that out. Uh, um, but for me, I just look for the digital crown. It's big enough. Um, so I know that the crown goes on the right. Yep. Yeah. Well, listen, we should move on to other topics because we sure. got mostly news things that are like, um, we can't really go into great depths because there are more things we've read I about. will admit that I've been so, it's been a long year. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I've kind of been um, in the in the mode where I know I'm kind of winding down and trying to, to get into a, like a two weeks of relaxation before the next year begins. And yes. unfortunately, that's that's the life that we, that we lead. Um, and I'm just trying to finish my backlog. And so... I've been trying to block out as much as I can things that are not necessary or things that are either rumors or 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 arrangements for CES oh, yeah. um, and you. announcements that are about to happen because it gives me anxiety thinking about it. But I, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk about some of this stuff. We only have one leak and one rumor. The rest is actual news news that we can mm-hmm. talk about with authority. So I think we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. One is a concept. I mean... You know, you can just kind of share your thoughts. No, I watched that video and um, it's, it's cool, cool, right? The Oppo Nendo slide phone, I guess it's called. See, for me, um, we've seen many different um, experiments over the last two years. And I feel like uh, in this, this, the times that we live, the holy grail for mobile computing is true multitasking. And, and I think that that's really what people are trying to solve with bigger screens, with double screens, with foldable screens. It's really being able to do multiple things at once on your smartphone. Uh, yeah. And so I think that's the whole premise of this, you know, it's like a note, it folds into a notepad and, um, and all sorts of different I like things. that they have buttons along the side of each module that mm-hmm. when depending which configuration you have it in, like turn into like the shutter button, the play pause button for your music or the left and right trigger keys for games. Uh, folks, it's hard to conceptualize this in an audio podcast. I have a link in the show notes to the Oppo Nendo slide phone from Engadget. You can read about it on any publication. That's I generally put down the links of the first occurrence of a news item that i find um check it out it's a crazy idea it's basically a very long and slender folding display that folds in multiple spots so you can configure the phone into multiple spots almost like links on a watch correct Uh, yes um but yeah but longer and wider um it's i guess for me it's like I guess, you know, with Samsung, with those modular TVs, I guess it is possible to kind of make it look seamless when even if they're like joints, multiple joints, when they come together, they still look like one seamless display. That's probably the challenge there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Um, the way you do this today would be with a flexible OLED and having a fold at each spot. And, you know, this is very much a concept. Then we're not going to see this probably ever. But the design behind, I think, is very clever. And it's, it's, you know, we keep saying phones are boring. And I think this really shows you where this new form factors could take us with having these new technologies like folding displays and stuff. And it's nice to see Oppo do something kind of Mm -hmm. more designy for a change Mm -hmm. rather than like, we're the tech 
giants of China. You know, like they're very yes. techy normally in their stuff. Yes. Yes. And so it's kind of nice to see something that's more like, it reminds me of Nokia in the late 2000s. You know, when we go to MWC and they'd show us like, this phone looks like a bar of soap, but it's actually made of a silicon material you can bend. And the whole yes. phone is bendy. And you're like, why are you doing this, Nokia? This is what I live for though. Um, you know, and uh, I just feel... I watched. The, I remember watching the video and just thinking to myself, "Wow! At least you know there's still a lot of ideas out there. We we st we haven't gotten to a point where things have just gone stagnant, and at least there's a lot to be excited about um, in the years to come." For sure. I just hope something sticks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The next thing that caught my eye this week was an interview. Well, kind of an interview with Pete Lau by mm -hmm. Raymond Wong at Input mm -hmm. Mag, and I hear that apparently there was. A bunch of media were invited to to interview or talk to Pete. I feel a little jealous there because I know Pete personally, like a lot of us do, right? And I didn't get invited to this. I was like, "What?" Me and Pete are always talking uh, um, with with having had a few drinks, but um, <laughs> it's always I always enjoy being able to Pete and um, Carl um, being able to talk to someone who's that high up in a company, yeah. and it's. It's funny because like I don't have any interest, and people think you know I have I play favorites, but I, I, when I whenever I'm speaking to a brand, I speak as a consumer and as a fan of that brand of that brand, and in the interest of just getting better products. So I always use these opportunities to kind of like tell them what I think they should be doing, uh, kind of like just giving consulting for free. We all do, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, and I miss that. I miss that. But that these are things that we used to be able to do when. Um, when we could travel. I think the other thing a lot of our audience doesn't really necessarily understand is that if we bitch about a product a lot, it's generally not because we don't like it as much as we think they could have done a better job and we see a hole in their strategy that we think maybe they overlooked or had to somehow overlook. Like sometimes they have external forces. Yeah. But you know, I've been bitching about OnePlus a lot ever since the Nord N10 5G, which I reviewed for Hot Hardware and for Geekspin for Elena's publication. And that phone is such a miss for OnePlus compared to what Realme came out with two weeks later, which is the Realme 7 5G, which is a way better phone for way less money. It feels to me like a OnePlus would like what OnePlus would do at that price point. Yet it's a Realme phone. And it feels like there is definitely a shift happening. And you know, we've discussed this on the podcast many times, but what I thought that Raymond captured so well on his story and input from his talk with Pete Lau was, you know, some of these things that are changing at OnePlus. And I think I am confident that the OnePlus 9 Pro is gonna be my next phone in the sense that the 8 Pro was my phone this year because I finally mm -hmm. left Pixel because it, for many reasons. But yeah, I feel that OnePlus has nailed the flagship and will continue to. And I'm talking about the real flagship. Like I'm willing to pay $1,000 for a OnePlus phone. Not everybody is. I hope they don't lose the plot on their bread and butter, which I consider the $700 price point, like the, the Nord. 600. No, I'm thinking more like the 889. Oh, um, okay. that, that, that still a flagship, but not, you know, does is missing some features to cut costs, kind of like uh, the what what Samsung did this year with the um, S twenty Fan Edition, which is which is doing so which well. Which is yeah, which is out one plusing one plus in many ways, yes. right? So I hope uh -huh. they don't screw that up. 
But what I'm much more concerned about is going forward is their strategy with Nord. The original Nord is a masterpiece of a phone. But as I was reviewing it, in my head, my ears were spinning and I was doing kind of like the bomb, the bomb, you know, the bill of materials analysis. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there is no way they can be making money here. This phone is a OnePlus 8 with a 765G, essentially. And yes. at, at the price they were selling it for, less than 500 US, I was like, they are just flexing their muscles to show what they can do, but they can't sustain this. And sure enough, the Nord N10 5G comes out and it's, it's cheap and overpriced and, and cheap in a bad way, like yeah. cheap for OnePlus. So I think what's happening here is, and, and some of this is touched upon in this story, is that I think OnePlus is kind of navigating and figuring out where they fit themselves in in the bbk group and in the general phone world in this lower industry. price yeah. tier right i think mm -hmm. they're well established with the you know pseudo flagship and real flagship but i think they're still trying to figure out where nord goes and right now realme is trying to do the same i think realme i've talked to the india uh, head of India Realme guy, I can't remember his name. I feel kind of silly for not remembering, but he's a lovely, he briefed me personally on the Realme 7 5G. And I think their strategy is to, to out OnePlus, OnePlus in that price range. So I think one, we're going to see OnePlus probably evolve more into a Western Oppo competitor is kind of how I feel. It's... It, the growth, you know, following the growth of OnePlus, this is, this is definitely, these are definitely growing pains. These are good problems to have. Yes. It's, it's, it's very interesting to have followed their, their evolution as a company. Um, definitely, I can see their focus is the US and Europe. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and, and, and there's so many different ways to do this. I personally felt betrayed when they started going after higher price points. Okay. And for me, I feel like the Nord is, is, is the direction that they should be. Um, but if you're telling me that it's, it's not sustainable, then maybe the, this well, is Well, I think, I think that they could do something like, I think if the, the problem with the Nord, it was too close to the 8 because it's an 8 with a lesser chip. I right. think that the if you look at what Realme is doing in the 7 series in general, but the 7 5G in particular, it is 100 pounds UK less than the OnePlus Nord N10 5G, and it's better in every way. And, right. and, it's, and if I look at the gears, the gear spin about the bale of materials in my head, they're still making money. So the OnePlus Nord N10 5G is really just like, you know, if they have a bunch of sliders they can adjust and one slider mm -hmm. is profit, they slid the profit slider way too far on the N10 5G because yeah, it's not... I like that it, one. And in that sense, they had to slide the other things down to basically make it not a OnePlus phone. Well, the like, good news is that they're ready to go... I mean, they have an opportunity to kind yeah, of reset, to recalibrate yeah. because the Nord wasn't even in their portfolio no. at the start of last year. But so the it's Nord kind is of like, definitely my favorite like this year in terms of like bang for the buck but it's Me i think too. it's a one trick pony like i don't think they can replicate it so it's it's interesting because in the android world i keep saying the everyday user doesn't need the top of the line snapdragon no, processor it's overkill yeah um and so just give me you know Cut, cut the way you, I would rather cut costs is give me a 765G. Right? Correct. And, and, and I think that's the way to go. And we saw this year, we saw a lot of that because we've, I feel like this mid-tier, mid affordable, Fantastic. affordably priced. Yep. And Google even pursued that with the Pixel, mm -hmm. right? They were like, oh, we, we're not, Google is the best case for this. We're like, we're not going to even try. 
give you yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, top of the line Snapdragon processor, and it's very smart because because there's a lot you can do with machine learning, computational stuff, even with a mid tier chip. Um, it's funny though because when you compare it in the app to the Apple world, you have Apple putting their top of the line processor on all smartphones across exactly, the board, yeah, yeah. including the SE. Oh, I know which it's crazy. at that time, and so it's kind of like so where do you? So the question really is, where do you make the cuts? And I think that's what we're going to see next year is that smartphone brands are going to navigate this problem because yes. they really need to cater to this price point. Oh, and absolutely. There's so many disruptors right now. Um, and Apple is doing a great job at disrupting. Yeah. I feel like OnePlus can certainly find its spot in a 765G type product. Mm -hmm. And they did with the Nord, but it not it's not sustainable. So they need to find a way to make it sustainable. And and I'm in, and I'm encouraging them to go lower end as well. Like they tried with the N10 and N100, but I feel right. that they need to see what Realme is doing because Realme is doing it right, and they're not doing it right. Somehow they missed that boat. Parallel to all that, for my personal needs, I feel that, and for I think a lot of the Western North America, Europe based early adopters, tech-savvy folk that have the money, we've all been waiting for OnePlus to make a, like, no bars hold phone. And the 8 Pro is that phone. And we got it. And I don't want them to stop doing that. I don't think they should do more than one. I don't think it should be their focus, as in their focus should be in that mid-range. But mm -hmm. I feel that they need to f show off that they can be, like, in bed with iPhone 12, Galaxy right. S21. Which and, is what you they... Know, tried for the last two, three years when they started increasing pricing, they were really going after the but Samsung. But they were always missing features, whereas this time, yes. you look at the 8 Pro, right? And wireless charging. The best, one of the best cameras of this year. Like a lot of people don't understand how good the camera is on that phone because they, they're thinking, well, it's just an 8 improved. But the, the regular 8 camera is just basically a rehash of the 7T, right. which is the right. same camera in the Nord, the same camera in the 8T. It's a good camera, but it's not impressive. The 8 right. Pro has that crazy, you know, IMX 689 that we saw in the uh, Find that, X2 Pro. Yeah, that, that, that sensor has only um, been used in two phones and it kicks yeah. so much butt. So, you know, that's kind of, I want more of that. And, uh, and I know it's going to happen, but I'm really thinking that what came out of this conversation that Draymond had with Pete Lau was that they know that they have to adjust course. I, I, I felt like a lot of humility in Pete's answers of like, mm -hmm. yeah, we kind of, We've kind of had some growing pains this year, and we're mm -hmm. aware of it. And what came out of this, which is kind of fun, is that they are actually indeed working on a smartwatch, which, you know, after using their buds, which I thought were great, I feel mm -hmm. like I would love to have an affordable smartwatch. I hope it doesn't run Wear OS. I kind of want it to be like my Huawei Watch GT2 Pro, which I'm wearing right mm -hmm. now, which is like essentially a fitness band on steroids. No apps, no nothing, but really long battery life, really great feature set. That's kind of what I'd love them to do because I've seen them do that. Then again, Oppo did a really great watch this year running Wear OS. It's probably, yeah. I think, the best Wear OS watch I've used in a while. Right. But it's Wear OS, right? Like, it's yeah. flawed, right, by default. Like, you can only... And it just looks so much like the... Apple Put so much lipstick on a pig, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, speaking it's good of... It's to see where, where, the, where, the, where they're going. And um, like, I don't mind the mistakes that they've made. Um, they no. have a great community and they mean well. And they have the power of, of BBK. They can afford to, to experiment yeah. and make these mistakes. I think yeah. don't count a OnePlus out just yet. I think just oh, be patient. Sure. 
I'm very frustrated with that right now the, after the Nord N10 5G, but I also have to remind myself that, you know, if Realme did it right, then BBK Group can do it right, which means that then Oppo and or Vivo and or OnePlus can adjust as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, but, you know, the wa- smartwatch is good news. And then the other big thing that came out was we've got a pretty much a full leak of the OnePlus 9 now, like full photos and videos and the whole thing. And the camera pod looks at least aesthetically like there is some serious oomph under there and mm-hmm. that's got me excited because one of the things that i've always thought is that for a lot of people the oneplus 8 or 8t was enough phone but that the camera could be a little better so if they can pull that off you know with the nine kudos to them you know yeah yeah agreed uh we'll see um, we'll see they really just need to be able to compete in the camera space for them to really be in yeah. that top and we know they can tier. with the 8 pro so like, let's see some of that 8 pro technology there. kind of trickle down mm-hmm. i would like to see that and then speaking of you know flagships last week we talked about this where uh we talked about how there's lots of indications that the galaxy note will no longer be the only or, or rather that the S21 will be one of the devices that uh, supports the S Pen. In the same way as almost all of LG's phones this year supported a Wacom Pen. I think that, that those rumors that the Note was going to go away, um, I, was, I was willing to buy them. But now we have more rumors coming back that are saying that, no, the Note series is going to stay, but it's not going to be the only S Pen product. And that potentially they, they might scale down the maybe scale down the note as just one model or something. And honestly, you know, after the note, the note 20 ultra, which was my favorite Samsung phone, well, the F the fan edition is up there too. But I think that if you want like a Westernized Android phone that really ticks all the boxes that, you know, especially in the U S supports all the bands and everything, nothing can touch the note 20 ultra. I never use the S pen on it, but the camera is so good. The phone is so well designed and aesthetically pleasing to me compared to the S 20 ultra, which was kind of like mad to me. I kind of was bummed that the note might go away. I hope that they have a slightly different product with a slightly different industrial design. That's a flagship. That's a Samsung thing. You know, it's interesting. Um, there was uh, the Note 20, the non-Ultra. Yeah, right. Got so much flack because of its pricing and its build. You liked it a lot though, right? I did. I did. And it's it, it's maybe it needed to have been branded as something else. Maybe that was the thing because the fan, the S20 fan edition did so well. Um, and it, it was almost like that. I feel like there's a space in the market for it because not everyone can afford a top of the line. Um, no, no. no. And actually kind of was bummed in fact, by the Note 20 non-Ultra that it wasn't a $700, $800 phone. Like, I felt like we need a, an affordable Note. Like, we need, you know how the S20 started at, like, what, a 999 or whatever, and it quickly Agreed. went down in price, you know, and, and granted, the Note 20 now is on sale everywhere, but I feel like we need Samsung to make the S line and the Note line spread between... There seven, needs to be a differentiation. 750 to 1500 yes. Like, I know it's a lot of yes. spread, but you have to understand that, you know, they've kind of done that. When you look at the S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra, S20 Fan Edition, you have all that range, you have that, re- that reach. So I want to see Note do something like that. We don't need that many units, but I think maybe... One that's twelve fifty, that's top of the line, no bars right. hold, and one that's eight fifty, six fifty, seven fifty. That what still- Apple does is they just do the, the the three, the two or three SKUs, and then they'll keep around the two, like the 
ten R. So the ten yeah, R yeah. is four four ninety nine. The eleven is five ninety nine. Yeah, and then the yeah, and then go six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, eight ninety. And I think Samsung did that. They kept the S twenty E around for quite a while. Um, so I think I think we're going to see what happens. But I'm glad to hear that. You know, those rumors might not might have been a little premature that there would be no note at, at all. In a way, that's good because it's I hard. Think- I thought it, the note might have, you know, breathed this last breath because of, you know, thinking about using an S Pen on the Fold makes more sense. And right. maybe that's the future of the note line. But at the same time, I don't think the technology is there yet because, you know, with that yeah. screen protector. And- oh, yeah. No, we're still, we still, that's still something that's up in the air. But I still feel that the S Pen should be available across like a whole breadth of phones, even if it doesn't come with it, even if there's no mm-hmm. silo. I think some device should have the silo come with the pen and really kind of be like, this is an S Pen device. But I think that in the same way as LG supports Wacom pens on, you know, the V60 and the, the mm-hmm. Velvet and the Wing even, even the Wing mm-hmm. support, at least on the main display. It's like, why not? Like, I think having that option, you know, yeah, you want a silo ideally, but you know, like people use the iPads with the Apple Pen and some people mm-hmm. don't lose their Apple Pen. So I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Samsung can do here because they have so much expertise in that. Field. And it looks like we'll we'll find out sooner than, than I know, thought. right? Like, I can't believe that the rumors are for launch so soon on this January 14th or something are the rumors. I just know it's early. Yeah. Yeah. It's earlier. like C, basically right after CES yeah. is what I'm hearing. So, you know... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just getting anxiety thinking about Yeah, me too. It. I was kind of annoyed, frankly. I was hoping that, you know, for once, because CES is virtual, it would be a low yes. effort and, you know, um, thing for us, so, relatively speaking, and that we would have a bit of a break finally. This year has not let off. I think I worked harder this year. I have like 20 videos left to edit. I have some videos left to edit that I'm wondering if I should even publish now because they're like from yeah. June. I have I have so much stuff to finish. I still have two stories yeah. to write for the end of the year. I'm just like, please, can we can we have a break now? Like, I was excited when I got the Poco M3 from Xiaomi like two weeks yeah. ago, but I'm like guys, it's December. Like, can you please not send me review units anymore? Can we take a break? Yeah. Uh, influencer, YouTuber, slash journalist problems here we're talking I about. I try not to complain about it because I, know, right? um, I have a lot to be thankful for. I have a job. But um, it's been a... It's it's. I think I've worked harder this year. because Yeah. Because I've only stayed home. And, and so the devices just could continually be sent and then also having much more time to focus and not have to worry about jet lag and 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 getting on a plane um and packing and um and whatnot i'm able to really just spend more time to deep dive into my reviews i've been doing mostly only reviews and then doing 15 to 20 minute videos that really answer questions and i feel like i'm doing a better job in in doing in fulfilling my purpose of helping people you know, get fire oh, yeah. buying advice. Um, but it's it's been um, very exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like that felt very challenged this year in a very positive way. Like from a personal mm-hmm. level, I feel like I've done some really great work. I, I've, you know, I've written like something like 40 or 50 reviews across all the publications versus maybe two or three normally. Like normally it's yeah. just the podcast and my YouTube channel. This year it's been podcast, YouTube channel, and a ton of you know reviews that I've written these two three thousand word reviews and I love it I feel very fulfilled but at the same time I'm like 
I feel like I've overworked this year, even though mm. this was the opportunity to take a break in many ways, you know? Yep. So, but um, you and I both have M1-based devices, uh, MacBooks, etc. Yes, I'm using it right now. Did you yeah? Did you go ahead and buy the 16 gig? Um, I was in such a hurry because I wanted to get it <laughs> right away, but I kind of regret it because um, I want the idea of that unified memory uh, on the 16 gig model appeals to me and you know you know we travel i've always i the reason why i'm so excited about m1 you get my face just lit up is because <laughs> all these years because you know we were we record podcasts we edit videos we edit photos yeah. we, and i love the macbook air me but too. you know i just know to be honestly that if i took it to ifa or to any trade show that it might not be powerful enough to do everything that I need it to do. I think that's no longer true. <laughs> and that's why when the M1 got announced and I was like, wow, this is finally a device that slim and light device that is powerful enough for, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not editing, you know, 4K footage, I, but it's enough to, to do a lot of what I do. Um, and that's why I'm so excited. Yeah, we covered it last week with uh, John Redinger. We, John? we mm -hmm. basically reviewed our individual MacBook Airs on the air uh -huh. on the show. And the reason I'm bringing it up is simply to let people know that the built of Mozilla Firefox and of Microsoft Office are now officially non-beta available for the M1 chips. I've been running the Firefox build, the beta, for like since I got my MacBook Air M1, so about two weeks. Have and you switched to the Chrome M1 as well? I also did switch okay. to the Chrome M1. So I've been basically, uh, the only thing that I'm benefiting here from is my Microsoft Office is now M1. But before that, pretty much my all my web browsers were M1. And I have to say, having used Firefox for ARM for a while on the Mac, it's rock solid. So if you guys are waiting to upgrade uh, because you're worried about betas being unstable. I've, I was on the basically on the daily build, so I was uh -huh. bleeding edge and I had no issues. So I think you're you're all good. I just want to bring it up because the other news this week that was interesting was that you know Windows on ARM has been kind of struggling in the sense that Apple like just showed them how to do it real bad. It's such a quick <laughs> you know? transition, isn't it? It's but Apple's pretty good at that. They've done it twice before. But the point is like. It puts a bad light on Microsoft, Qualcomm, and, and manufacturers of ARM Windows devices because they, it's taken them until now to finally have an X64, so 64-bit x86 emulation running on Windows on ARM. So that's good news to me that it's finally there, but it seems like too little too late unless they decide to crank the knob up next year with some new chips from Qualcomm that can compete with the M1 and that the manufacturers that are so in bed with Intel right now can finally like wake up and realize, look, Apple has shown us the way. Like I'm thinking mm -hmm. Asus, maybe not HP and, and you know, uh, Dell, because they're like kind of traditional American companies, but I'm thinking maybe the Lenovo's or the Asus's of the world can be like, hey, you know, maybe Intel, you're not so hot after all. Maybe we need to get into the ARM bandwagon more seriously and either talk to Qualcomm or to another ARM manufacturer like MediaTek. Because I have a Chromebook MediaTek, that little Lenovo one that yeah. we all got for mm -hmm. from MediaTek for recently. For MediaTek and Day. Mm -hmm. Dude, it, it, I can't believe that thing only has four gigs of RAM. Like I, I can run so many tabs before this thing starts to die. It's kind of impressive. So, you know, it's just some good news to see that we finally have 
this ARM universe in the net in the notebook side of things that is at least very viable on Apple and hopefully getting more viable on Windows. You know, I'm happy about it. There's been a lot of great stuff out of yeah, this year. Uh, absolutely, it makes me so excited about next year. And then, uh, speaking of chips, Qualcomm announced very quietly the new Snapdragon six seven eight. So mm-hmm. many sixes and sevens and eights in their chips names right now. This is a, a kind of a follow up on a, an older chip, the Snapdragon six seven five. I honestly, there's nothing too much to talk about here. This is not like the six ninety. It doesn't have five G, mm-hmm. but it should be an affordable four G chip for that two hundred dollar price point. Um, it's good news because. You know, the reality is you see what's available for $200 right now and it's pretty sad. And what we've seen, the revolution we've seen around the $500, $400 sweet spot, like Pixel 4a, 350, really amazing phone. I'm hoping this shifts downward to the $200 range in the next two years. And yeah. we right now we don't have the chips for that. Like we need them. Like the 690 I reviewed on the Nord N10 5G and eh, it doesn't feel like a OnePlus in terms of speed anymore. And I, I knew it would be a bit compromised, but, you know, the Dimensity 800U on the Realme 7 5G feels snappier with Realme's UI 1.0. So I know that OnePlus can do something there and they might be maybe ditching Qualcomm for once. And and I don't know if they, you know, like definitely MediaTek's doing something exciting here because... They are, they are. And I, I'm actually working on a video comparing the the Qualcomm Velvet to the MediaTek oh, Velvet. Oh yeah, I've got both as well. It's kind of surprising, right? I've ran some benchmarks and I was yeah, like, wow. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, there's some areas where the Qualcomm does better, but I was like, for bang for buck, there's... I would not hesitate to yeah. recommend a MediaTek chip uh, in 2020 and 2021, for sure. Absolutely, 100%. The 800U just blew, on the Realme 7 5, it just blows me, blows me away in terms of performance. It's not even a thousand series of dimensity. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, when I ran benchmarks on it, it's it's just skimming close, very close, like super close, faster than 690 and close to 765. And the one thing on the Velvet, the Dimensity 1000C or whatever it is that, that surprised me the most was machine learning. Have you run machine learning benchmarks on that thing? It's off the charts. It's way better than Qualcomm. It's the only area where I think that it beats Qualcomm like reliably. The The rest is kind of, again, skimming the 765G. So mm-hmm. I, I for think- for cheaper, I mean, why not? Like the Poco M3 is a good example. Like that's that phone for less than 200 bucks. For that price, it is is awesome, but it's slow. And you know, you can feel like it's it's definitely needs a bit more oomph, right? And so that's why these little chips that we are like kind of dismissing because like Snapdragon 678, right. that new chip, like they, we do care because this is what's making the world go around. Like in yep. India, mm-hmm. this is what most people will buy. Yep. And so I want to see these chips be good enough that that experience where we can all now say, it doesn't matter, you don't need an 800 series, you can buy a 700 series phone. Or a 600 series. Or a 600 to be perfectly right. happy. Maybe right. we can say that going forward about a $200 phone. So this is why that stuff is important and why like why I put it in the show notes every every time I get a chance because it's like, hey, you know. Anyway, speaking of Qualcomm, the last item in our news list is that they're working with Google to make it easier for OEMs, phone makers, to make their phones updatable longer. So the idea here is that they're going to continue supporting their chips for a longer period of time, which uh, starting with, I think, the 888 and that the, the, new, the next generation of chips. And so basically what it means is that 
if a manufacturer and a carrier decide to make this happen, and hopefully they will, uh, that Google and Qualcomm make it possible for them to get security updates for up to four years and up to three OS updates, three OS updates. This is so important. Um, one, because Apple supports devices up to five years. Yeah. Um, the iPhone SE, original iPhone SE can still run iOS 14. So, I know. Um, the Android world is so embarrassing in terms of getting updates. Um, and it's funny when brands talk about two years, I was like, oh, that's not, that's still not a lot <laughs> if you think yeah. about it. So this is really good news because a lot of you, I know a lot of people, I mean, definitely not people like you or me, but a lot of people who will hold on to their phones for three to five years. Exactly. And, and you know, if you spend $1,000 on a smartphone, of course you want to be able to get updates um, into the, you know, more than two years worth of updates. Now, I think this is good news, especially with two major players like Google makes yes. Android, Qualcomm makes and most Qualcomm of the chips. The chips. Mm -hmm. Like this is like the writing's on the wall if you're a manufacturer right now to get freaking serious about this. We as journalists, YouTube creators and, and influencers have been saying this for a long time now that we're really annoyed with phones that we just don't know the future of, right? Like because yeah. it's not written down somewhere. Like Samsung's right. finally committed to doing better and are delivering, you know, but yes. even OnePlus is scaling back and I, you know, like with the Nord N10 5G and the N100, you know, they're still, they shipped with Android 10 and they're only going to get Android 11, nothing beyond that. Mm -hmm. And they're only going to get security updates for two years. That's not how you make a OnePlus phone. Like if it no. was Realme, I wouldn't be so mad because like Realme has no history there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. But like OnePlus has been, you know, like going, claiming off the rooftops forever about this. And so this is why you have to be really careful when you're a company that you need to listen to your fans. Yes, but you also need to, you know, when you are going to change something that your fans are counting on, that you need to communicate it better, you know? Right. Like there might right. be a good reason why they are not supporting these phones because they're in this maybe in-between period where they know they're going to do better next time. And so the yeah. phones you really want to buy are the next ones. Right. And so they're not really caring too much about these. These were a stepping stone. Yeah. But I don't know. It still sucks because no matter how much money you spend, you should know that you're getting that support and apple is king at that like you know yeah. theo's just changed from an se to an se 2020 this year mm -hmm. and the only reason that we didn't keep the s the original se going was because they're starting to fall apart because it was so beat up yeah the software was still fine <laughs> yeah i bought so, a uh, just for the for just you know just for the fun of it um i i went and on ebay and bought an original se oh yeah and yeah being able to run ios 14 on it because that's the last one and that was what from 2016 20, yeah roughly something yeah. like that yeah so i was like wow it's that's pretty good because you know you want to be able to get all the new features that that get announced now you want to be able to use your phone and i mean and live and and sort of run the software and all the apps that people of of this gen of this year are enjoying, um, and yeah. and it's it's sad that just because you have an older phone, you kind of have get left out of the party. I mean, the challenge obviously nowadays has been band support, right, and stuff. Because like, one yeah. of the other reasons we retired the old SC for Theo was that you know six hundred megahertz band on T-Mobile, which, which are both T-Mobile customers is a, starting to become really critical in LTE because I use it a lot of places and that mm -hmm. phone didn't support it. Whereas the new yeah. SC supports 600 megahertz, just like my Pixels do and my OnePluses do. So 
But listen, we should wrap up. Um, yes. MJ, tell the world out there where they can find you on the internet. Well, I make videos on YouTube two to three times a week. It's youtube.com slash gadgetmatch, or you can just visit gadgetmatch.com and make it your daily habit. That's right. I love your tagline. It's so good. Make it your daily habit. That's why you should listen to Michael, Josh, MJ, and the crew at Gadget Match on YouTube and gadgetmatch.com. Yes, definitely. <laughs> if you need help buying a device, well, I'm your guy. I'm your matchmaker. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book, but just drop the vowels. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is where you want to go to talk about the show. If you want to like ask questions about what we talked about this week, do it on Twitter. Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones and all that good stuff some visual content to go alongside the show. Of course, there's also two YouTube channels we have now. We have the main channel, which is youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast, where I have my usual unboxings, you know, hands-on, sometimes reviews. Um, it's mostly just a video that matches the content of the show. So if you want to see like that Poco M3, what it looks like, fire up the unboxing video and have a look. And then uh, the new channel is youtube.com slash mobile tech more. We're just getting started with this one. So please subscribe to give us the love. It's gonna be mostly, you know, ecosystem type devices. Like we have a robot vacuum coming. We have an air humidifier from Xiaomi. It's actually a, an air purifier. So check that out. It's a fun, it's a fun channel. And then finally, the podcast itself lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. If you want to subscribe, you can do it there through a bunch of clicks through to the different podcast apps. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, just to name some of the more popular ones. But basically, everywhere a good podcast can be found, you'll find the Mobile Tech Podcast. And by the way, if you're using an app that lets you rate or review the show, please rate or review the show. It really helps. And then finally, there's a donate link in the show notes. Click uh, through the show notes, basically the description for this episode, and you'll find a bunch of links, including all the things we discussed today. And the first link is a donate link. It's PayPal. Please help. I would really appreciate it. Finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the very early days, and they're really awesome. And they're here to help you help us with a great deal. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech is the link. That's AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech. If you click through, you help Audible, but also you help us. So you don't have to stay with Audible if you don't want to. Although I think you should consider it because it's a pretty great platform. I have a book recommendation. The new Barack Obama book. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he reads it to you. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, so that's one of the nice things about Audible is a lot of the authors read their own books, which I think is so nice. Yes. I have the physical copy, but I, I listen to the audiobook and then I let him read it to me. There you go. So that's a good that's a good example. And so the deal is basically you get 30-day free trial and you get to keep a book at the end, whether you stay or not. You support the podcast, you support Audible, who have been with us since the early days. As MJ just pointed out, some really great selection of books there. Some of them are pretty epic, like they, they're reading for 10 hours, 12 hours, and it's really nice change of format from like a one-hour podcast. So if you want to get long-form stuff in and you want it read to you instead of reading it with your tired eyes, Audible is totally where it's at and the authors reading their books is just one of my favorite things ever so yeah so please consider the click through the link uh, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech to help the podcast and help our sponsor and i want to thank audible for being with us for 
it seems like forever, which is wonderful. And MJ, I want to thank you for being on the show yet again. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Usually we do this in a hotel room somewhere in the world. <laughs> but this is the next best thing, but it's really nice to see your face. Absolutely. So that's it, folks. We'll have another show next week. Till then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.